Hey, church family and friends, I'm super excited that you, yes, you, are able to share with us today as we are going through week two of our series entitled Blueprint, where we will be studying 1 Timothy. Can I be honest? Sometimes I hate following instructions. Don't judge me. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you don't like instructions either. You know when you purchase something like a table or a nightstand or a cabinet, when you make this purchase, the manufacturer gives you all of these separate pieces along with a thick booklet with all of these step-by-step instructions on how to put that table, nightstand, or cabinet together. If I can be honest, instructions for me can be dreadful and tedious. First, you have to go through the box and sort out all of these pieces. You have to get the screws and the bolts. Then you carefully read through every word so you don't miss an important part. I just can't stand instructions. In theory, this is how I work. I take a long, intense look at the picture of the final product. I proceed to ball up the instructions, and then I begin to put the product together. No, I'm just playing this, or maybe I'm not. Well, I want to share with you a story. Well, about two months ago, while I was working at my job in Roseville, I was asked by one of my coworkers to help assemble a coat rack. I said yes, and I get to the garage where the coat racks are, and I immediately begin to regret saying yes. I saw two massive boxes. That's just the beginning. On top of that, we begin to open up the boxes, and all of these pieces start falling out of the box. I pick up the instructions, and I looked at the finished product, and I say with confidence, we got this. The coworker I was working with, he said some ungodly words, and I began to encourage him and tell him, hey, we, we, we can put this thing together. So we start putting and assembling this coat rack together, and we're doing a pretty good job. We get to about 20 minutes in, and my my co-worker says, hey, it's time for me to go to lunch. He looks at me, and he says, David, I hate to leave you, but I'm going to lunch. In the back of my mind, I say, you asked me to help you assemble this coat rack, and then you leave me hanging. But I told him, hey, it's okay, you know, it's no problem. Go ahead, go to lunch. I got this. I'll put this together until you get back. So I began to continue assembling the coat rack by myself. And I don't know what happened, but somehow I missed an important part of the instructions. And I ended up putting a piece the wrong way. It got worse. I didn't notice it was the wrong way until I was done putting the whole entire coat rack together. So I'm, I'm finished and I'm excited because I put the coat rack together. Well, at least that's what I thought. Until I stood back and looked at the entire coat rack. Then I realized I put the most important piece, the part that holds the hooks where the jackets go, I put that the wrong way. Talking about frustration, talking about being heated, one piece put the wrong way messed the entire project up. 
I tell you this story because when we attempt to put our lives together our way and without God's instruction, God's word, we end up messing up the original design. God's word is the step-by-step instructions we need as God's creation to put our lives back together the way God intended. Back to the coat rack, I was able to put the pieces together, but when I was finished, I realized I put one major piece the wrong way, and even though every other piece was the right way, that one wrong piece messed up the entire coat rack. It's crazy how one wrong piece messes up what I accomplished. And I really had to do more work than I should have because I had to go back and unscrew a piece here and I had to unscrew another piece and I had to take it all apart when really, if I would have just followed the instructions step by step from the beginning, it may have taken longer and a little bit more discipline, but I would have gotten it right the first time and the finished product would have looked better in the end. So I ask you today, What is that one piece for you? What is that one piece in your life that messes you up? It's like every other thing in your life seems right, but it's just that one thing that causes problems time and time again. Maybe it's anger or pride or lust, or maybe it's having an unforgiving heart or being impatient, or maybe it's trust issues. You have, maybe you have issues or a hard time trusting people. Well, what we will see in our Blueprint series, we will look at God's instructions for our lives. There are times where you can knowingly or unknowingly be operating off of the world's blueprint rather than operating off of God's blueprint. And what you will discover when you are running off the world's blueprint is that the world's way of thinking may look good and you may even see progress in your life, but when you line up the world's blueprint to God's blueprint, there is no comparison. God's way is much more peaceful. His ways are much more liberating. God brings you so much joy. So we will see in Paul's message to Timothy, God's ultimate blueprint for his church. But before we get there, before we dive in, let me pray for us. God, I thank you for another opportunity to share your word, your gospel, and to see the blueprint that you have for our lives. My prayer, God, is that we will be challenged, convicted in the areas of our lives that we could make better so that we can become more as you created us to be. God, use me, give me clarity of mind, fluidity of speech, remove me out of the way. This is the prayer I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you tuning in, I ask that if you have your Bible, we are going to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And just a little recap of how we get 1 Timothy. The apostle Paul went about starting new churches. He was an impactful church planner. And along the way, Paul had several co-workers in the ministry, one being Timothy. When Paul met Timothy, Paul was impressed with Timothy's passion for the gospel. So Paul decided to disciple Timothy, and Timothy became Paul's mentee. 
So we get the book of Timothy because Paul received word that there was a group of men who entered into the church and began to spread the wrong views of Jesus, and they started teaching false doctrines. So Paul sends his mentee, Timothy, to confront these leaders and to restore order to God's church. So after Timothy arrives at the church in Ephesus, Paul sends this letter, 1 Timothy, as a follow-up to instruct Timothy on, his, on how to fulfill his assignment. Chapter 1, Paul assigns Timothy to address the false teachings. Now we get to chapter 2, verse 1, and it says this, First of all, then I urge that supplication, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high position, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Timothy has an assignment. He's restoring order to God's church. He is confronting teachers. He is challenging false doctrines. Now, Timothy opens up chapter 2, and he says these words, first of all. Timothy has been given this authority to correct and lead God's church, and he says to the church, first of all. Now, many scholars agree that first of all, refers to the importance and priority of something. So the primary concern here in 1 Timothy chapter 2 is the importance of prayer. The very thing Timothy calls the church of Ephesus to is to have regular prayer meetings. Paul is very clear about the importance of prayer. He says, I urge you that supplication, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Here we will look at these different types of prayer. You have supplication. Supplication is a urgent request for God to meet a need. An example of this can be found in Psalm 4 and 1 where David says, Lord, I need you to provide me with your mercy. Then you have prayer. Prayer is a place where people gather to make a request from God. It is when the Christian, the body of believers, get together and they begin to ask God for a request. But then you have intercession. Intercession is a formal petition that is made on behalf of another to God. It is when someone has faith in a Christian, a believer, and they ask them, hey, can you pray for the sickness of my aunt or can you pray for me? That's intercession, making a petition to God on behalf of another person. Then you have thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is simply a prayer of gratitude. It is thanking God, the creator of all things, for his creation, for his splendor, for the beauty, for nature, for the things that we have, our families. Our, it is a prayer of thanksgiving. Notice that each type of prayer causes the church to depend on God. This is a good place to be in, that when the church depends and leans into God, the church receives God's direction, his power, his strength, and ultimately his blueprint for the life of the church. 
Keep this in mind that when God's church depends on him, God can depend on his church. So we see the importance of prayer and the types of prayer. Paul says these types of prayers should be made for all people, which brings me to my, my, next, my next highlight, pray for everyone. Timothy, Timothy gives instructions that prayer should be offered for all people. But then he goes on to say kings and, and all who are in high position. But why does Paul tell us to pray for kings and those who are in high position? Well, in that time, it was the kings who brought persecution. It was the kings that had power. And when Paul writes this letter, it is believed that Paul was in prison under the sentence of the government. So there were people who were in the church who were angry with the kings and they were angry with, angry with the government. So Paul reminds the church through Timothy to pray for the kings, to pray for those in high positions. Because when you pray for them, you change how you view them. When you, when you pray, it changes your attitude towards those people. And I know I'm talking to some people in here who already know, you already know you should be praying for everyone. But if you could be honest, it can be difficult for you to pray for someone you're frustrated with. The person that cut you off in traffic. The police officer that gave you that speeding ticket. The next door neighbor that blasts their music. The person who has a different political stance than you. The family member who just can't seem to get it together. There are so many things that can keep us at odds with a person that you can easily say, no, I'm not praying for you. So Paul tells Timothy, I urge you that supplication, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Did Paul say pray for some people? No. Did, did Paul say only pray for the people you know? No. Paul tells Timothy that prayer is to be made for all people. The CEO, pray for them. The president, pray for them. The next door neighbor, the person who just can't seem to get it right, that distant family member who you haven't talked to in a while, pray for them. The non-believing co-worker whose belief system just doesn't match up with yours, you need to pray for them. And in doing so, you live up to God's blueprint, his word, and by doing this, you live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So the question is this. This is the question. Who could you be praying for that you haven't prayed for? Who in your life can you pray for that you don't normally pray for? You know, we all have a list of people we can pray for without second-guessing. Maybe it's a spouse or a kid or your kids or a family member or your church community. But I want to challenge you to pray for someone you really haven't prayed for. Maybe that someone is a government official that you just don't agree with. Or, or maybe that person is your pastor or your neighbor. Why should, why should, I, why should you pray for them? Because... We want to live in alignment with God's blueprint and his word. And his word says that when we pray, 
we lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. So Paul goes on to say this in verse 3, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Timothy is establishing God's blueprint for his church. And if a church is going to stand, it needs to be built with prayer. Paul says prayer is good and it is pleasing in the sight of our Savior. I believe this is powerful because sometimes we can underestimate the true importance and value and power of prayer. And if we're not careful, we can say things like, I wonder how I could do a good work for God, or I wonder what I can do to please God. Well, according to Scripture, prayer is good, and it's also pleasing to God. So if you want to do a good work for God, and if you want to please God, then get busy praying. The word that Paul uses in this sense, he uses the word good. And that word good means attractively good or a good that inspires others to embrace what is lovely. This good refers to the inward character of a person. In the book of Matthew, Jesus himself talks about this goodness when he tells his followers to let their light shine. And in doing so, you allow others to see your good works. Matthew 5 and 16, I want to read it as I, have, as I have it here. He says, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So why does Paul say prayer is good? Well, well good is a natural characteristic of God. Good is the very essence of who God is. God is good, and everything God created was good. And if you were to go back to the very beginning, to the book of Genesis, time and time again, you will see that everything that God created was good. It wasn't until Adam's fall into sin that evil entered into the earth. So as Timothy is restoring order to God's church, one way is for Timothy to teach the church to see how God sees. And God sees prayer as good and pleasing. We pray because prayer is good and it is pleasing to God. Let's keep going. Verse 4, this is what Paul says. He says, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth? For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Simply put, God wish, will, and his design is for you to be saved. His design is for you to be rescued from the penalty and power of sin. God wants you to come to know his truth for your life, and it can be difficult, and you can't be saved and know his truth while you're operating off of the world's blueprint. I know it seems like the world's view is easier, and it doesn't require much, and I know God's plan or God's blueprint is harder, and it requires more discipline, 
But in the end, if you follow God's blueprint for your life, you will discover that God's blueprint bears more fruit. God's blueprint bears more fruit. Life is more peaceful and life is, there's a greater sense of liberty when you come to know Jesus Christ. And just listen to what Paul says. He says in verse 6, he says, Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at a proper time. Meaning, since the fall of men, humans became a slave to the power of sin. And there was no way in our own power that we could free ourselves. So God sent Jesus in the form of a man as a mediator to die and pay the ransom so you and I could be free. Which I lead to this this quote that Jesus' death wasn't random. Jesus' death was my ransom. Jesus died so that you would be set free from the penalty of sin. And I don't know about you, but that's good news to me, that God knew that I wasn't strong enough. He knew that you weren't strong enough and that you were not smart enough and that you could not escape the power of sin by yourself. So God sends Jesus Christ in the form of a man to be the mediator between God and man for reconciliation. That's good news. Jesus' death wasn't random, but his death was my ransom. Let's continue to read. Verse 8, it says this, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls, or costly attire. Here we, is, here we are. Prayer addresses the proper manner for public worship. Obviously, there was some tension going on. There was some tension and confusion taking place inside of the church. On one hand, you had some Jewish men and Gentile men who believed praying inside of the church was more received, more acceptable. And on the other hand, Paul is addressing women who are causing potential distractions in public worship. Let's start with the men. He says this, there was a superstition, there was a superstition or irrational belief between some of the Jewish men and some of the Gentile men who really truly believed that when you pray in a church, it was more acceptable than praying in any other place. Men really believed that a prayer offered in the church would, be, would reach God more than a prayer at home or a prayer in public. Paul addresses that assumption and he teaches that God is to be worshiped everywhere. No need to wait until you get around other Christians. You can worship God where the Spirit leads. Get this, it's not about where you pray, it's about when you pray. That if the only time you pray is when you reach the church, you miss the mark. You don't wait until you get to church to pray, but you should be praying in every place. And what a good reminder for us as men, because this is who Paul is addressing, 
for us to be reminded that prayer has no boundaries, no limitations, that wherever a man, a believing man is, that's where prayer should be lifted. Whether it's the first thing in the morning when you get out of your bed or at work or in the car while you're dropping your kids off at school, in every place, men should pray. There should be no excuses. There are some men who only have the courage to pray in church, but then on the other side of that, there are some men who can only pray at home, but not in church. Timothy says, in every place, men should pray. Men, I want to challenge you. Here's the challenge. You ready? Where could you be more bold, bolder in your prayer life? Where could you be more bolder in your prayer life? Paul first addresses the duty of men. Now Paul turns his attention to the duty of women in public worship. And he says, likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls costly attire. Keep in the context that Paul is addressing the public gathering of worship and that there were women or women, they share the same godliness just as men did. Paul says women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. In that time, braided hair, gold, and pearls was a symbol of high financial status. To have braids, gold, pearls, any of those things that Paul mentioned, it meant that it required much time and financial costs. That there were women who put so much time and energy into their hairstyles and jewelry and clothing rather than focusing on their worship in church. So when Paul addresses them, he's speaking to the financial and the time, and the time it took to cure all of these assets. That when what you wear takes away from the attention from God, that's where the problem lies. When we're so focused on our outer appearance, we take away our true focus, which should be praising and worshiping and serving God. That when it comes to the public gathering of worship, we don't gather to show off we come together to worship the true and living God. Remember this, God is not looking at your outward appearance, but God is rather in search of your heart. God is more focused on what you have to offer him internally and not what you put on outwardly. So what do we talk about today? We learned, or we talked about pray, pray for everyone. And my challenge was for you to pray for someone that you may not normally pray for. Search your heart. 
find that person that you need to be praying for. And then we talked about prayer is good and pleasing to God. That prayer comes from the inward character of a person that causes people to embrace our prayers. Then last but not least, we talked about prayer addressing the proper manner for public worship. That God is focused on our inward heart posture than the things that we wear when we come into his presence. And there may be someone in here on today who may be tired of operating off of your own blueprint and you're ready to operate in the obedience of God's blueprint. You're tired and, te and, and, and life has become tedious because you're, you're running rampant based on what you think is right. But as, but what you will discover is that what you think is right is not always good and pleasing to God. And maybe you, you want to lift up your hands and surrender and, and give yourself to God today. I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the blueprint that you have given us. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to establish how to interact with others. Therefore, I trust his ways and his path. And God, I thank you that you sent your son to be the ransom for my sin. Thank you, God, that Jesus died in my place. But I also thank you, God, that when he died in my place, he didn't stay in the tomb, but he got up with all power in his hand. And because of that, I have access to salvation and I can live and operate off of your blueprint for my life. This prayer I seal in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. I want to continue to pray for the message. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this blueprint series that teaches us the design that you intended for your church. God, your law is not a bad law. Help us to get rid of the things that contaminate our souls of the things that we think are right and just. But God, we want to operate and be obedient to your will and your design for our life. God, help us to live according to your blueprint and not that of our own. And God, we want to see the fruit that is to come when we live according to your design. This prayer, I pray in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's celebrate those who have just come to accept Jesus as their Lord on today. If that person is you, there are some details on the screen that we want you to follow. Somebody from our staff will connect with you because we don't want you to do life alone. We want you to operate in God's blueprint. 
and we don't want you to do it by yourself. Somebody would have helped guide you and lead you along the way. Be blessed.